Hello. I am Jill Scalisi. I'm not the Scalisi you're expecting to be preaching today. I'll tell you why I am. On Tuesday, Doug spoke on the phone with his friend and colleague in ministry, Ben Feldot, who's the senior pastor at Cape Cod Church in Falmouth. Ben was on his way to Mass General Hospital in Boston, where his wife, Tammy, had been admitted for several days before with a brain tumor. Tammy was scheduled for surgery the next day on Wednesday, June 1st, and Ben asked Doug if he could possibly preach today at Cape Cod Church. Doug conferred with Pastor Joe Greenmore and with me, and I agreed to share today's message so Doug could help at Cape Cod Church on what is an important Sunday for their congregation. This is a way to support our friends and co-laborers in Christ. We are thrilled to share that Tammy came through her surgery well, and miraculously, she's already home. <laughs> By the way, Cape Cod Church's last service is at 11 a.m., so if you also want to hear Doug preach on <laughs> don't live and learn, learn and live, you can head to Falmouth by car or by, by computer after worship. In a sense, this is a fitting Sunday for me to participate as we're including our children and students in worship today. And along with Tim Couts, I've been teaching the senior high Sunday school class. Looking back over the years at Brewster Baptist, I've taught preschool, elementary school, and senior high. And in all of these classes, we've talked about the fruit of the spirit which is a foundational scripture for me. In the Brewster Baptist Church year, today we are exploring the book of Galatians as we continue our journey through the 66 books of the Bible. Paul writes to the churches of Galatia, which is modern day central Turkey, with an emphasis that a person becomes right with God by faith in Christ, not by good works or ritual observances. In the Western Christian liturgical year, today is also Pentecost, the day when the church remembers the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the very first followers of Jesus in Jerusalem. People often associate the Spirit with outward phenomena like a mighty rush of wind or people hearing of God's deeds of power in their own language or people speaking in tongues or other dramatic behavior. Paul says in Galatians and elsewhere that there is much more to living in the spirit than those manifestations, including the choices you and I make every day. In, do you like to take hikes or walks? As many of you know, I enjoy hiking very much. In trails, in Brewster, in Vermont, in any country where I may happen to be fortunate enough to visit, You'll find me out hiking if I can. And numerous times when I'm going down a path and then there's a, jun and then there's a junction, <laughs> a decision, which way to go, make sure you don't step too far from the microphone. <laughs> In our journey through the Bible, we've seen God repeatedly present a contrast between two paths and how each person has to choose which way to go. 
At the end of Joshua 24, Joshua, at the end of Joshua in chapter 24, Joshua says to the people, Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Psalm 1 describes the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Proverbs contrasts the way of the foolish and the way of the wise. Jesus, in Matthew 7, talks about the broad way that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. Then, in the writings of the Apostle Paul in Romans and Galatians, we hear Paul describing two ways of going through life. You can live according to your selfish desires, the flesh, or according to the spirit. Paul says the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. Doug shared a story with me of how Pastor Stuart Briscoe visited a man who was a shepherd, and he watched how his two dogs helped to guide and herd the sheep. But at other moments, the two dogs engaged and fought with each other, trying to assert which one was dominant. Stuart Briscoe asked the shepherd, which dog usually won? The shepherd replied, the one I feed the most. This is also true when it comes to the flesh, our selfish desires, and the spirit. Whichever one you feed more will grow stronger and come to dominate your life. You fill yourself with the spirit by feeding on the things of the spirit, like reading or listening to the Bible, prayer, fellowship. Let us listen now to Galatians 5, verses 16 to 26. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit, and what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. When I read or listen to this passage, first, I think of people I've known who embody the fruit of the Spirit. My grandmother, Brewster Baptist Church members through the years, many who have passed away. 
folks I see right now. I could go through each of these characteristics and someone comes to my mind. I can remember how good it felt to be around them. I am grateful for the ways they have blessed my life and mentored me. Who do you think of? Another one of my thoughts is which list would people who know me well say more closely describes me? Which of these lists do I want to describe my life? Paul says, the works of the flesh are obvious. If a majority of the behaviors listed in Galatians 5, 19 to 21, jealousy, anger, strife, dissension, envy, drunkenness, are present in a person's life, then Paul continues, it's obvious that person doesn't have the spirit, isn't living as a Christian. And he states starkly and clearly, I am warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what a person says or claims in their Twitter bio. Paul says, look at his or her life and behavior and you'll know the truth. About two years ago, during the pandemic, and in a time when there was a lot of vitriol and mean accusations by groups in our country, including by people saying they were doing so in the name of God, I found myself getting very upset, angry, and even depressed when I read or heard the news or had some conversations. I didn't know what to do. I found it hard to pray or to center myself. So I did something new as I walked in the morning. I memorized and started repeating Galatians 5, 22 to 23 to myself while I walked. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. There is no law against such things. I repeated the words and focused on each one, love, joy, peace. What does this look like in my life? How can I live this out today? I can still picture myself walking up the hill in my neighborhood repeating the verse day after day whenever I was feeling upset or overwhelmed by everything going on in the world. The scripture grounded me. It connected me to God. And somehow, the Holy Spirit began making a change in my life. Not necessarily in the outside world, but in my response to the world. An inner transformation by focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, I felt a sense of control, of agency in my life. Regardless of what situation I experienced, I could focus on living out of the fruit of the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, Paul says, you're not under the law. He means we don't follow a list of rules to earn our salvation. We're not following a checklist of do's and don'ts that that can't save us. Our Christian life is not about following a rule book. 
We are called to be free. It's about God's spirit filling our hearts. When God's spirit fills and guides us, our lives are transformed. This transformation starts from the inside and pours out of us. Our motivation isn't to earn God's favor. Our motivation is a response to what God has done for us. We want to love others because God has changed us. God has shared and changed our outlook, and we want to share with others what God has shared with us. If we live by the Spirit and are guided by the Spirit, our life will look very different than a life dominated by selfishness and sin. If you're wondering what path you're walking on, remember we talked about choosing paths earlier, or me choosing paths? Sometimes you start down a path, then maybe the trail narrows or grows a different direction than you were expecting, and you're not sure if you're going the right way. What do you do? A Boy Scout, Girl Scout, or experienced hiker looks for the trailblazes, the markers on the trees. These are from Nickerson State Park to help find the right path. In spiritual terms, and if you're wondering what path you are on, or if you need to get back on the right path, in spiritual terms, you can look for the fruit of the Spirit, the trailblazes, to guide you. These nine virtues that are expressions of the fruit of the Spirit all enrich our lives and relationships. A few years ago, in the senior high class, we looked at how these qualities intertwine and are seen repeatedly in scripture. These qualities are also found in the Trinity, in God the Father, in Jesus Christ the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Let's go through them. Love. Notice the similarities between Paul's description of love in 1 Corinthians 13 and the fruit of the Spirit. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. In John 15, Jesus states, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And as Samantha, Grayson, and Ben shared earlier, the whole law is summed up in one commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Joy. Jesus continues in John 15. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I appreciate Henry Nouwen's description of joy. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. Joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It's a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety. 
and that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. Peace. In John 14, we hear Jesus share, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Patience, or in the King James Version, long-suffering. In Exodus, the Lord and Moses are on Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 34, it says, And the Lord passed by before him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Kindness. In Colossians 3, Paul writes, As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Generosity or goodness. In Acts 10, Peter shares how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Faithfulness. Again and again, faithfulness is used to describe God in the Hebrew Bible. For example, from Psalm 100, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Gentleness. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Self-control. From Proverbs 16, one who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled than one who captures a city. Think about how the fruit of the Spirit are evident in the life of Jesus, and how he treated his disciples, the hurting, the sick, the outcasts, even his opponents. We see all the virtues of the Spirit in full maturity in Jesus, even when he was slapped in the face in his trial before the crucifixion. In John 18, when he had said this, one of the police standing nearby struck Jesus on the face, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered, If I have spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I have spoken rightly, why do you strike me? How is that for self-control? Many of us have a favorite summer fruit. Strawberries? Raspberries, watermelon, blueberries, peaches. Each one has a unique color, texture, flavor, and shape. 
In a similar way, each of the fruit of the Spirit blesses and enhances your life, your relationships, the church, the community, and the church's witness in a world to the world in a unique and special way. How would your life be different and diminished if any of the fruit of the Spirit were missing or lacking? If you didn't experience joy or kindness, for example. On the other hand, do you know anyone who has more peace or goodness in her or his life than she or he needs? I don't. <laughs> we all need them and can use more of these spiritual values. How do we cultivate them? Spend time with God. Ask the Spirit to fill you anew each morning. Memorize the list of the fruit of the Spirit and say them to yourself daily. Call them to mind as you go through your day and interact with others. When we are living in the Spirit and bearing the fruit of the Spirit, we are being imitators of Christ. Do you recall those old WWJD bracelets, What Would Jesus Do? This is what Jesus would do. This is what your life looks like when Jesus is living in your heart. This is how we are called to use our freedom. In closing, I'd like to take you back to the path imagery. Remember when I shared about hiking in the woods and choosing a path? When we talked about the fruit of the Spirit being trailblazes to both direct you and to help you discern if you are on the right path, the path of the Spirit. The fruit can also be used to check the credentials of our spiritual trail guides. Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit. In Matthew 7, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Tug is fond of saying, what God wants is spiritual fruit, not religious nuts. <laughs> what God wants to see in all of our lives is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of a vital growing relationship with the Lord. One can ponder how our lives and how our culture might be different if millions of Christians committed themselves anew this Pentecost Sunday to being fully led by the Spirit and producing with the power of the Spirit a bumper crop of the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. May God grant that as a body of believers, we will experience such fruit in abundance. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God,
fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, and make the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. Amen.